Welcome to Passion Life Church. We see Jesus in motion, and we, we have the chance to watch him do a miracle, a sign, a wonder. Now, you got to understand, this is not baby Jesus, okay? Uh, well, now behold the lamb. No, 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 no. This is not Jesus wrapped in swaddling, born in a manger. Okay, King Herod after kill him. We're not talking about baby Jesus. We're not even talking about adolescent Jesus who got lost from his mother and his father. And he, he, he stumbled into a temple and he began to outquote scriptures to the people who were there who knew the scriptures because he was the word made flesh. So he knew the word. It was already in him because he was the word walking the word, talking the word. And he, they were all astonished by how much he knew about the word and his mother and his father showed up and if they were black they were like hey boy what you doing get your tail over here you know not to leave my side now you know you're the son of God don't you walk away from me so the devil might try to get you okay and and he says don't you know that I must be about my father's business I'm not talking about adolescence not even talking about young adult Jesus that Luke 252 describes as growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man talking about full-grown Jesus. I'm talking about the Jesus who went down in the water to be baptized by John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, whose shoe straps I'm not worthy, whose vans I'm not worthy of tying up. Come on, somebody. I need my California people to say amen. I'm talking about Jesus who went down in the water and he was baptized in the river Jordan. And when he arises from the, from, from the river Jordan, there is a voice that cracks out into the sky that had not spoken since Genesis chapter 1 where they were all three present when they created the heaven and the stars and the moon and all of those things. This is the first time that the whole trinity actually celebrates and comes together and culminates in scripture and, and a voice comes from heaven that says, behold my my son in who I'm well pleased and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and Jesus comes out of the water full of the Spirit of God ready to go and do the purpose of God I'm talking about full grown Jesus walking in destiny and walking in purpose and walking in his assignment and he is no longer holding off it is now he's age 30 and it is time to do what God has placed him to do for the next three years of his life. We're talking about full-grown Jesus here. And, and, and we get this chance to be able to see Luke chapter 8 because it happens to be one of my favorite, one of my favorite places to look because this, this thing is so full of, of jewels and great things that, that God does through Jesus. He, there's, so many, there's so many miracles that Luke chapter 8 tracks. I'm not going to give them all, but you need to go back and read it it's, it's, it's better than any reality television show that you could watch because Jesus is in full range. He's, he's doing stuff. He's moving and he's grooving. He's, he's walking on seas and he's delivering demoniac people and sending them back as evangelists. And he's, he's given parables about the seed that was sown and one, some seed fell by the wayside and some seed fell on thorny ground, but some seed fell on good soil. He's given all types of great stuff. And then we work our way down to verse 40. And here Jesus is, the king of glory, walking into a city where there is a situation. Now, you got to understand, Jesus lived for these moments because this is why he was brought to the earth, because he was the son of God and he, he was a walking miracle. So, so he's walking in this city, in this town, and, 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 and there is a problem 
with the preacher. The local preacher has an issue. Um, the problems have come to the church. Hello, somebody. And, and the pastor has a problem with his child. Now, you got to understand now, when I read scripture, uh, because of my favorite pastime, okay, which I'm just thrilled by this screen behind me because my favorite pastime is going to the movies with my cutie booty. Hello, somebody. <laughs> me and my boo, we love movies. Amen. Anybody else love movies? Yeah, I was like at Lion King at 12, 12 at night, you know, to see, you know, the early morning. I mean, I saw it before all of y'all saw it. Amen. Uh, I got to see all of the emotional affliction, in, uh, the emotional stuff that was missing in the new one that the old one actually had. I got to see that Scar wasn't quite what he was cracked up to be in the older one, but the new, oh, let me stop ruining it for some of you guys. I'm just going to be quiet. But, but, but you got to understand, we are movie connoisseurs, and we go to the movies often, and me and my boo, we love to snuggle up and and watch movies. That's why we've been married 17 years and three, three children no more. Hey, man, we got the Trinity. We're not having any more. Hey, man, any more children will be spiritual children, and we're going to give birth to this church in the next year or two. Amen. But as I'm watching the movie, I love being there because my wife, she, oh, she's so sentimental. Oh, my gosh. Did you see that? I'm so touched. Hold me. I'm like, yes, baby. Let me hold you. And, and she's into the movie, and she's into the scene, and she's into everything that's happening. But, but I, I'm, I'm, I have a tendency to be a bit analytical. And most pastors are. We're, we're just so, uh, you're so attentive to the details of everything. We see the different things. And, and I'm watching stuff like the transitions in the scene. Like that was, that was choppy. That was choppy. Not sure if that was supposed to be that way. I'm listening to the buzz in the audio in the movie saying, is that the movie theater or was that recorded that way? And, and, and I'm watching the different camera angles that take place throughout the movie. And I'm like, oh, they shot this with just three cameras because these, these, these angles, uh, uh, there's just not enough here. They, they should have had an overview, an, an, an aerial. They should have had a drone camera flying over this. I mean, I'm giving all this analytical data. And my wife was like, will you please? Shut up. So because of our favorite pastime, I have a habit of looking at the scriptures through a cinematic mindset. What that means is when I see scripture, because I've been in church so long, I don't look at it like everybody else looks at it. I look at it as it's a movie scene playing out, and I'm watching it through different camera lenses. Amen? So I want to take you on a journey real quick on a very familiar story. I know that that pastor, that, that the pastor last night, he mentioned the story to you. But I want to take you on a different angle, point of view, where we can look through different camera lenses and see certain things in this story that you might have not seen before. Can we do that? Let's go on a journey. First camera lens I want to take you to is the woman. Somebody say the woman. Now, Luke is a physician by trade. He is the author of the book of Luke. Hence, can you believe it? Okay. Uh, Luke has an impeccable eye for detail. He has the ability to tell us everything that's being said. He actually has some of the most detailed writings of all of the gospels, and he has a tendency to overtell the story sometimes in ways that the other gospels don't quite do. And we're looking at Luke, and, and here is this situation. We've got the great movie going on. We got Jairus and his, his daughter and, and everybody's excited. All cameras on Jairus and Jesus. And all of a sudden, Luke interjects this character out of nowhere who is called the woman 
with the issue of blood, okay? Let's analyze a little deeper. I wonder with Luke being such a detailed physician and a detailed writer, how come he doesn't describe this woman by her actual name? Mm -hmm. See, California, I have a tendency to ask questions to the text when I'm looking, and I'm seeing something here that's perplexing in the fact that he's not describing this woman by her name. He says she is the woman with the issue. So not only does he describe her that the woman is nameless, but she's also being identified by her condition. See, you got to be careful with people who identify you by what your issues were and the things that you used to be involved with and the way that you used to talk and the way that you used to carry yourself and the things that you used to do and the clubs that you used to go to and the things that you used to go out and do. You got to be careful that you don't get back pulled into that world again. And you have to remind people that 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, I'm new, boo-boo. Can I get an amen? So, so we see Luke, she, she's, 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 she's being described by her issue, which is a problem, but she's also nameless. Why would the woman be nameless? I have a tendency to see people who are nameless as an opportunity for personal interjection. Let me explain. The centurion soldier had no name. So it gives the opportunity for you to insert yourself into the story. So when you're reading the text, it's no longer the centurion soldier. It could possibly be Sally. It could possibly be Jimmy. It could possibly be uh, 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 Chris. It could possibly be Lisa with the issue of blood. It could possibly be Bonquisha with the issue of blood. Hello, somebody. Uh, it could possibly be anybody that you could possibly interject into the text, including yourself. So now the story becomes more personal, and now you see yourself in the text. My God, my God, my God. See, because this is important when you read the Bible that you actually see yourself in the story, and you don't just see people, but you actually see yourself, and you see God doing the miracle not just for the people that you read about, but you see God doing the miracle for you. So we've got a woman who is nameless, and we've got an issue. You've got an issue that should have lasted a few days. A few days turns into a few weeks. A few weeks turns into a month. Now we got ourselves a real problem. She goes to the doctor. She spends her, her medical health doctors, her medical health dollars uh, on seeing the physician. And he writes the prescription. This is an expensive prescription. It's not covered by any premiums or deductibles. She's got to come out of pocket. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Uh, this is one of those types of situations. This is one of those rare cases. And, and, and she spends her money and, and it still doesn't fix. And they write another prescription and that one doesn't work either. They send her across the state and she goes over to see the specialist because surely the specialist can make this thing right. And now she's at two months and she's spending all that she has. She's dipping into her 401k. Hello, somebody to spend money on this particular situation. 
situation and it still has not fixed. And now she has gotten frustrated, agitated, and upset because she is now three months into the same issue. Can you imagine the pain and the agony and confusion that she was going through? And now she's going to switch to holistic because, you know, the holistic doctors maybe can write her a prescription where she can eat some tree bark. And maybe the tree bark can do something to her body. Nothing against my holistic people in the room. God bless you. Probably much more fitter than I am. Hallelujah. But it still does not work, and she is spending all that she has. She has no more money left over, and now a month turns into two, two turns into six, and now she's a year in. A year turns to three, three turns to six. And she's starting to question, what did she do to deserve such a situation? Is it something that I did, God? To deserve this particular situation and what you got to understand about her issue is that it's the type of issue that made her ceremoniously unclean so she couldn't just walk into the temple the way that she was because she was not allowed to so now she's been ostracized from a place that was supposed to bring hope and healing to her and she could not even get there this woman had a real issue I'm trying to help you see that it's not just 12 years but it is 12 years of pain and agony and frustration and agitation and disappointment and hurt and confusion she's going through because she's got an issue somebody say issue I don't want to rest my hat there. I want to take you a little further into the story. Let's switch camera lenses because this woman definitely is a character worth paying attention to. But we're going to take a pause and we're going to go to the next camera lens, which is the crowd. Somebody say the crowd. Mm -hmm. The crowd was interesting because the Bible describes this crowd as throgging Jesus. Now, you got to understand, people are excited to see this dude named Jesus perform miracles. They heard about the water turned into wine. They heard about the centurion soldier that was healed by faith, his servant that was healed by faith. They heard about the pool of Bethesda where the person was laying for 38 years and Jesus walks up and heals the guy and the thing that once carried him, he leaves carrying it. Come on, somebody. They heard about Jesus, the king of glory, who walked on water. They heard about Jesus and they've heard about him. This was before Twitter. This was before Instagram, this was before Story. this was before Snapchat, this was before CNN. This was word of mouth and people had begun to hear about this amazing man named Jesus. And can you imagine how the crowd must have responded to hear that Jesus was actually in their city physically. Oh my goodness, you have not seen a crowd like this. Black Friday has nothing to do with Jesus. It can't compare to what these people were doing with Jesus being in their city and they had an opportunity to see him up close and personal and this is why the Bible describes the crowd as throgging him because they were so excited to see a sign, a miracle, a wonder with their own eyes and to be able to see it because there was a situation to behold where he was going to perform a miracle meant everything. Somebody was about to get a selfie with Jesus. Somebody was, girl, Jesus is in the cell. I'm going to get me a selfie, girl. I'm going to get close enough to get me a selfie. And everybody's excited. And then the Bible describes him, the crowd is throgging him. When you look up the word throg, it means to crush or to press against. Give me, let me see, let me see. I need, I need four handsome strapping men. Just, just give me four 
handsome, strapping men. It doesn't matter. You just don't have to all run up at once. It's all right. If we only got, you only got one, come up here real quick for me, brother. Come on up here. Look at that. Look, I like the way some of these dudes are. I'm, I'm fine. I'm strapping. I'm handsome. All right. So you guys are going to be, uh, make y'all the disciples because, you know, out of this whole crowd that's around Jesus, the disciples are definitely there. So, so we're going to make all of you guys disciples. You'll, you'll, you'll be Peter. Okay. You'll be John. All right. Uh, you, you can be doubting Thomas. You just don't believe nothing. Okay. <laughs> Judas. I'm just messing with you, man. Are you good? He's <laughs> like, no, I don't want to be in this story anymore. <laughs> Y'all watch the money. Watch the money. I'm just saying, watch the offering bucket when it passes Judas. All right. So, so here it is. So, so can you imagine how this crowd must have been around Jesus? I mean, they were trying to get to him so much so that they were crushing him to get to him. And can you imagine, y'all come close. I took a shower this morning. I smell, I think I smell all right. I'm married. Okay. I won't bite any of you guys. Come on. So, so here's this crowd around Jesus and they're all moving slowly. This, let's move slowly this way. Y'all come close, you know, impacting me, impacting me. There you go. Come on, come on, come on, Jesus. Oh, see, we'll see. I am Jesus. I'm going to heal Jairus's daughter. I am on my way. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that they were throgging and pressing up against him. Peter's getting mad. He's about to cut somebody's ear off. Thomas is doubting because he doesn't even believe that somebody's really sick. And, 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 and all of this stuff, John the Beloved just wants to love everybody, throw his arms around everybody. And Judas just wants to go get the money. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus says, stop. Who touched me? Peter's like, who touched you? I'll slice them. I'll cut you. Thomas says, I didn't see anybody touch you. I'm sure no one touched you. <laughs> so he says, who touched me? As to say that the people that were around him, even the most spiritual ones, the disciples, were not actually touching him. Ooh. This is actually an indictment to the disciples and the fact that they were close to Jesus, but they were not actually touching Jesus. This is to say that someone touched Jesus in a way that was different than even the deeply spiritual ones that were surrounding Jesus. This is to say that Jesus wanted to be touched in a way that was different and he was being touched by the crowd that was around him. Sheesh. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This is, this is, thank you. Y'all give some, make some noise for my disciples. Okay, Judas, we got an altar call at the end. I want you first up in line. <laughs> Fine people of California. This was a major indictment to the disciples and the believers and the church people that were around Jesus for him to stop the crowd and to say, who touched me? These are supposedly spiritual. These are hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Our God reigns. Sounds so beautiful. 
But how could you sing songs like that and not be touching Jesus? Right this way, welcome to church. Right this way, come right on in. Absolutely, you can have a seat anywhere you'd like. How could you be welcoming people but not touching Jesus? How could you be on the servant team and how could you be on the setup and breakdown team and how could you walk in every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday but not be touching Jesus? Because the scripture is so showing us something so important and the fact is, is that when you come close to Jesus, you got to be careful that you don't grow familiar with him to the point to where you treat him as common and you treat his presence as common and you forget the fact that he saved you. You forget the fact that he healed you. You forget the fact that he, that he delivered you. You forget the fact that he set you free. You forget the fact that he's your provider. You forget the fact that he's your healer. And you just treat him like he's one of your homeboys. And it's just something that you perform religiously. But Jesus is not looking for religious people. He did not die a gruesome death for us to be religious and just for us to be satisfied with being close to him. He died so that we could have relationship and access to the Father. And I'm telling you now, I would rather touch Jesus every time I come into his presence than just to be seen in a place that's close to him. I don't know about you, but you need to make up in your mind that every time you come into this house, every time you come into his presence, Every time you listen to a song of worship, every time you open up his scriptures, every time you get a chance to be close to him, you're going to reach out and grab him and touch him and pull him close because he is everything you need. He is everything you want. He is everything you desire. I will not be satisfied with just being close when God died sent his son to die so that I could actually have access and I can physically touch the presence of God. I'm telling you, make sure that you never get to a place where you get so mundane and you get so used to going through the motion where you forget the importance of making sure that every time you come into his presence that you actually touch Jesus, that you reach and you touch him, you got to remind yourself of what he's done for you. You got to remind yourself of where you were. You got to remind yourself of the stuff that you used to do. You got to remind yourself how he healed. You got to remind yourself so that you don't lose your passion. Passion conference about being close to the most important person that has ever existed in the universe Jesus. Touch five people right and say, I'm going to touch him. 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 Every single chance I get, I'm going to touch him, and I'm not going to miss an opportunity to touch Jesus no matter what. And then camera lens switches again. Now we're going to another lens, and it is a lens that is interesting I call it the reach. This is, this is the most interesting lens because who we thought we showed up to see a story unfold about. If I could get the worship team to come up and give me some soft music behind me, this would make this moment amazing. Amen? I feel like a real preacher then. <laughs> I'm so not religious, guys. I just love to be 
real and have fun. That's how I'm going to pastor my church. Amen. I like real people who like real words, who like the real gospel. Amen. And that's why I like you guys. I could tell y'all the same way. This is the point in the story where the tides change. This is the point in the story where who we thought were the main characters actually are not the main characters. The reach is the point in the story where we really find out why Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 56 was written. And it was so that we could see this woman who who you got to understand who is at her wit's end. This woman who was so weak, she couldn't even stand up straight. This is about this woman who has spent everything that she has, exhausted every resource that she knew to be healed and could not be healed by any. This is the point in the story where a weak woman becomes strong for a moment only because she made a decision to be desperate enough to reach for Jesus. She didn't just do it the regular way, though. She didn't just walk up and approach him. I asked myself the question, why was the reach from behind, Pastor? I'm looking at this story unfold, watching the woman stand by the side, watching the crowd come around Jesus, be excited. And I'm wondering why this woman would have to reach for the Savior from behind. And immediately I saw it. And this is such an interesting thing that I want us to remember as the body of Christ. She couldn't reach for Jesus. She didn't have a clear path to him because the people that were around Jesus were so excited to see a miracle that they forgot that someone needed a miracle. They were parading and being excited and they were religious and they were excited to be around Jesus, but they, not, they weren't really touching him, but they were there to witness and see someone get a miracle and they missed the person who was close to him that really needed a miracle. So the people were actually in her way. She was too weak to push through the folks. And, and, and I think, I think this woman said, this is my last chance. This is, this is, this is, this is it. If I don't do something now, I may never be healed. And she gets desperate. Somebody say desperate. She gets desperate. She says, I may not be able to reach him standing, but if I get low, because you know if you need something from God, you can't be prideful. You can't be high and haughty. You can't act like you know it all. You can't act like you've got it figured out. It doesn't matter how old you are. You got to get low when you need something from God. And when you really need something from him, the lower you get, the better. And she lowers herself as to say, I need you and I can't help myself. You're the only one that can fix my situation. And the Bible says that she reaches for him 
for the border from the back. So that means she began to crawl her way to the Savior. She begins to make her way. She's being stepped on, but she's making her way. She's being mangled. Her hair is being matted to the ground. They're tripping over her and falling over her, but she's still making her way. to. People don't even recognize the desperation that she has because they're so obsessed with being religious and seeing Jesus do what he's about to do that they're going to miss what God is going to do right now. They don't even care. She doesn't care either. She's making her way. She's pushing her way through the crowd. And she finally gets close enough before he gets out of reach. And with her last ounce of strength, she stretches forth and she touches the border of his garment from the bottom. And the Bible says, my God, immediately. The woman was healed. Immediately, she stands straight up. Immediately, her flow of blood stopped. Immediately, the issue that she had been plagued with for year after year ceased and desist. Immediately, things transformed and changed in her life. Reminds me of another woman who reached for Jesus from a prison cell. She was a young adult. She'd had a child at the age of 12 or 13. The child was taken from her. She was forced into the streets to raise herself. She got into a life of crime. She had another child. Shortly after, she got into prostitution, drug addiction. She violates her probation, and she goes to prison. And from a prison cell, hopeless, hurting from all the things that she's experienced. The gospel was televised into her prison via satellite. Preacher was preaching the gospel while she was in prison. She hears the gospel message and she says yes to Jesus and she gets desperate enough to get low and touch him. And immediately when she touched him, immediately her issues ceased and desist. Immediately, God began to deal with her low self-esteem and her self-worth. Immediately, God began to help her understand that she is the head and not the tail, that she is above and never beneath, that she can be delivered and set free, that she is a woman, that she is fearfully and wonderfully made, that she is beautiful in the sight of God, and she begins to get her strength, and she begins to understand who she was, and she begins to see her purpose, and she's released from prison early on some paperwork default. <laughs> only to find the child that she had had now been to 16 different elementary schools, six different middle schools, and three different high schools. And when she gets out of prison, she finds out that the preacher that was televised into her prison started a church in her city. She makes her way to that church. Not only does she make her way there, but she's desperate enough to drag her child to the church too. And the same Jesus that saved her in a prison cell because she was desperate enough to reach for Jesus. Soon and shortly after dragging that child to the church, he gets saved too. He gives his life to Jesus at the age of 15 and everything changed immediately. He went from being a high school dropout who did not know how to read to now being understanding that he needed to learn. So he goes to teachers and he tells them, 
I don't know how to read. They teach him hooked on phonics and they improve his reading fluency by three grade levels. And he begins to get caught up on all of his schoolwork because Jesus is in the center of his heart and he begins to see his purpose and God's plan for his life because his mother was desperate enough to reach for Jesus. It set the generation after her free too. So now she's being freed, he's being free, and he's pursuing purpose and destiny. And fast forward and he goes to summer school before school. After all the school that he's gone to, he graduates. He meets his wife first year of college, and he graduates from Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. The reason I know the story so well is because this young man is me and my mother. Here it is. I feel the Holy Ghost. My mother took desperate measures to do whatever it took to be set free. And she had no idea that her desperation would make me desperate too, to reach for Jesus as well. I wanna say something to every generation in the room, to my older generation. Maybe your, maybe your desperation is the key to the next generation. And maybe your child is waiting on you to be desperate. Maybe your grandchildren are waiting on you to be desperate enough. And when you display desperation for God, just maybe that will translate into their heart like it did for me. And for every young person in here too, my desperation opened my destiny. And now I travel the world and I tell people about Jesus. And I get to tell them how he set me free. I get to tell them how I've been married 17 years and three beautiful children who don't have to wonder where they're going to sleep at night. They know their father and their mother. They don't have to go to restaurants and beg for food anymore because my mother was desperate enough to reach it provoked my desperation to stand to your feet this may be a little different nobody move just give me a second please I feel the Holy Spirit in the room we got another service tonight I need you to make sure you make your way back here tonight God's gonna say something prophetically to you tonight He's going to add something to what's being already said the last two days. I need you to make sure that you come back for that third piece tonight. But right now in this moment, every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if there are a few people in this room that after this country boy that was raised in the streets of Dallas, that escaped the grips of the ghetto, who had a mother that was a drug addict and a prostitute, Maybe just maybe something that this crazy preacher said might have pierced your heart, might have touched you in your spirit. And just maybe you have never made the decision to be desperate enough to actually reach for Jesus. If you're in this room, someone brought you, you stumbled in here, you don't even know how you got in here. Maybe you've been flirting around with this thing and you thought this was about coming to church. No, it's about you being the church. Jesus wants to save you and set you free today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you need a relationship with Jesus, you want to start a real relationship. You want to get desperate enough today to say, I need Jesus. I need him in my heart. I need him to save me. I need him to set me free. I need him to heal me. I need him to put the broken pieces of my life together again. I would be not a good evangelist if I didn't take this moment and I didn't give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus just like I did when I was 15 and I didn't know what was going on with my life just like my mother did at the age of 34 as a young adult in prison. If you're in this room and you want to make a decision, 
to say yes to Jesus on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I just want to include you in my prayer. One, this is your day of salvation. Two, this is your moment. Three, right now, hands up. If you need Jesus, I see hands all over this place. My God, my God, yes, God sees that hand. God sees those hands. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I just want to include you. I see you in the front. I see you in the back. I see you all over this room. Look at the kingdom smiling right now because of the people in this room who are making a decision to be desperate enough to give their lives to Jesus. Anybody else? I just want to make sure I get you all. I want to make sure anybody else is not too late. You can be desperate right now and Jesus can save you. He can transform you. He can set you on your path. He can push you into your purpose. He can put you on a path of righteousness and move you towards your destiny. Anybody else? I see you. Young and old, I see you. Hands down. Eyes up. I want you to do something with me. If you could, if you raise your hand, can you can you meet me right here at the front, please? Just, I'll come down here with you because you got to do something like this woman did that had the issue. You got to be desperate enough to make your way. If you raise your hand, can you just meet me up here? I want you to meet me up here. Can you just meet me? I just want to pray with you. I want to pray for you with you. I want to celebrate you. Come on. That's right, brother. That's right. Come on up here. If you didn't raise your hand and you want to come, I want you to come up here. I want you to come up here. We got plenty of room in the family of God for you. Come on. This church is going to love you. This church is going to embrace you. This church is going to push you into your destiny, into your purpose. Come on. That's right. Come on. Come closer. We got entire families up here. We got entire families. Wow. Anybody else? Anybody else? So beautiful. So beautiful. Wow. So beautiful. Amen. Now I want you to look at me. This is really important. I really focus hard on not being religious. I want to make sure I make things clear. I think, our, I think the generation we live in now needs clear and concise gospel. I want to explain to you what's about to happen. This is a, a wedding ceremony that you just came forward for. And what's about to happen is you're about to say, I do. You're about to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Now, this is just the, this is just the wedding ceremony. But when you leave this moment, you're going to have to walk out the marriage. And guess what? This wonderful church is going to show you how to do that. They're going to teach you how to grow. They're going to teach you how to find your giftings and your talents. They're going to teach you how to continue to be desperate after God. They're going to disciple you and train you and help you understand your purpose and your destiny. But it all starts with this I do right here that we're about to do. Can we all join together right here? I want everybody touching everyone. Grab hands. Can we just grab hands? We're about to say a prayer. And this prayer is going to spark your relationship with Jesus. And from this day forward, you don't have to worry about whether you're going to be in heaven with Jesus, whether you're going to see your loved ones again. This is going to do it. But after we say this prayer, Jesus died that you might have life and that life more abundantly. There is a blessing that's about to come when you get desperate and say yes to Jesus in this moment. I want everyone in this room to repeat after me so none of my brothers and my sisters feel alone. Can we do that? Everyone say, Father God, Father 
Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. I repent. I ask that you would create in me a clean heart and renew my spirit. Today, I make a choice to follow Jesus all the days of my life. And I put my life in the hands of someone greater than me, of someone who has a plan for me, of someone who has a purpose for me. And today, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over my life. And because of that, the Bible declares that I am saved. Somebody celebrate Jesus. Come on, can we do a better job than that? Come on, somebody celebrate Jesus. Yes. Woo! Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.